Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Lancet Global Health Podcast. My name is Nina Putnis and today we will be discussing the Millennium Villages Project, a fascinating topic and the focus of three articles in this month's issue, which is Volume 6, Issue 5, and is out today, Tuesday the 10th of April 2018. So the three articles in this issue consist of a piece of original research by Mitchell et al., namely the Millennium Villages Project, a retrospective observational end-line evaluation, representing an important point in this project's history, and also two accompanying comments, one by Jeffrey Sachs and another by Erin Ben-David, who is here on the line with me today. So Professor Erin Ben-David is an infectious disease physician and associate professor of medicine at Stanford University in California. He investigates the drivers of population health improvements in developing countries, including the population health effects of economic, political, and natural environments. As a practicing physician and international development expert, he has a long-lasting interest and familiarity with the Millennium Villages Project. Hello and welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. So, Mitchell et al's study, published in this month's issue, discusses the final evaluation of the Millennium Villages Project, marking, as you say in your comment, an important chapter, not only for this project, but also for our understanding of Africa's path towards health and economic development overall. I feel this feels like a really good time to reflect on the history of this important and significant project, conceived back at the turn of the millennium and initiated in 2005. Professor Ben David, would you be able to give us a potted history? Sure. So the Millennium Villages Project was an uh, audacious endeavor that was uh, intended to show um, how global poverty can be eradicated, especially extreme poverty. One of the unique things about the project was that it was conceived from a, uh, a theory and a very strong health theory that uh, international development can be achieved by um, a combined intervention into a lot of the fundamental sectors uh, of human flourishing. Health, water, education, uh, agriculture, and, uh, and the, the basics of economic empowerment. The project was, uh, as you said, conceived around the beginning of the 21st century, around the time of the Millennium Development Goals. And in fact, the names Millennium Villages Project gives a nod to the Millennium Development Goals and uh, targets a lot of the same goals of the Millennium Development Goals. Uh, again, sort of uh, er eradicating poverty, improving health, uh, and empowering uh, uh, communities for uh, basic things like growing food and, and providing education to their uh, population. The project was, was a pilot project and focused on about a, a dozen villages and was going to go for about a decade uh, with external support, meaning from uh, aid organizations and mostly funneled through the Earth Institute in Colombia. And now we are at the point where uh, this uh, we get to uh, a little bit stand back and, and observe the experience of uh, these uh, uh, villages. Great, thank you. So this project actually has, has not been without its share of controversy throughout the years, and part of that has actually been around the project's evaluation. Could you possibly give us a background to these issues? And actually, would it be fair to say it's been constructive to, to our understanding of how we evaluate other projects such as this? 
Yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely fair to say both, both that it's been constructive and that it has had its share of controversies, and especially around the evaluation piece. Here is some of the, the important, the relevant background for this. Because this uh, project was conceived really as, a, as an instantiation or an implementation of an idea, the outcomes of this project were, were interesting to uh, the, the, the broad community of uh, development uh, experts, uh, both in the, the economics world and in the health world and in the agriculture world. Everybody was eager to see whether uh, this will work. Um, however, uh, the, the the project was set up without the, the means to enable a proper evaluation. And, the, and now, the, part of the uh, part of the reason why that is a shame is because it could have been. Um, you know, there are major programs that uh, one uh, can set up that are really it's impossible to set them up as uh, as evaluation projects. But this one was really uh, was the, the setup was perfect. It was a very constrained or a very confined uh, or, or uh, rather very circumscribed set of interventions. Uh, all the villages received the same assistance of, uh, you know, in agriculture and economics and health and education and water sanitation. Um, all the villages received help on those fronts. And it was a, a, a dozen or so villages uh, or village areas within uh, each of the areas. There were several villages. Um, and so this was set up perfectly for measuring and for monitoring and for observing in a careful way, in a prospective way. But it just wasn't set up this way. And as a result, the broad international community has been sort of eagerly anticipating uh, any sort of evaluation, that, uh, but also realizing that there's only a limited amount that one can learn. The, the promoters of funders and the organizers of the project were very uh, convinced of the effectiveness of, of this approach, and, and as a result, um, have produced several manuscripts and several uh, analyses and reports over the years of its effectiveness. Uh, including one that was peer-reviewed and then uh, later on really uh, under very close scrutiny did not hold. Um, and these evaluations uh, w were, you know, very controversial uh, and have uh, really raised the specter of can we learn anything uh, about this uh, about this project? And uh, uh, the answer to that is at least up until this uh, analysis has been uh, we really don't know anything. The way that this has been constructive is that it really led people to uh, the, feel the need for, for uh, evaluations that are really instructive and really educate us about, uh, about what works in international development. Um, and I think there's a way in which the Millennium Villages Project was very instrumental to the flourishing of the community of eco uh, randomization economists, the, the, the so-called randomistas that have risen in the, again around the time of, uh, of the Millennium Villages Project, but you know certainly over the past 10 years. That, that community, what they do is they take projects like the Millennium Villages Project, uh, but they, they subject them to a randomized trial. Uh, they, they start from the point of view that we do not know what works and we need to know uh, and something works, some things do not. And uh, in order for us to really understand how to move forward, uh, we need to have evidence that uh, really uh, uh, gives us the, the answers to these questions. Um, and as a result, uh, you know, have subjected um, villages and, and communities to randomized trials, including trials of interventions that are a lot like the Millennium Villages Project. Um, and so in that sense, the Millennium Villages Project has really paved the way not so much for what to do, but for how to measure and how to understand what we need to do uh, in order to improve uh, uh, the, the ills of, of poverty. And what a great way of looking at it as well. 
That also brings us to the evaluation by Mitchell et al. Um, in this month's issue, and, and of course that your comment accompanies. This study seeks to compare outcomes to retrospectively matched villages in similar areas. Do you think you could perhaps comment on the challenges arising from this type of study? Right. So as uh, as, as I mentioned, you know, the Millennium Villages project it really involved very heavy investments in a dozen uh, villages. The expectation was to invest about $120 per person per year um, in each of the residents of these villages over um, you know over the course of of the, the 10 years. This comes to about $600 million. What we have uh, is the experience in these villages. What we don't have are um, are any comparisons that were selected ex ante, meaning right at the beginning of the the project to sort of have to follow prospectively. What the the main challenge for uh, for Mitchell et al was to uh, figure out, trying to answer did, did the Millennium Villages project work? Uh, what was their effect? The main their main challenge was compared to what. And uh, they had to go to great lengths to find uh, comparison villages. Uh, now, from our lens, and uh, you know, in 2018, or when they did the study in, uh, in the, you know, over the past few years, you know, as we look back, they look like in 2005 when the Millennium Villages uh, were selected. In 2005, that these comparison villages were looked similar. Now, that's very hard to do, uh, in part because. These millennium, these comparison villages were rather the millennium villages were not selected randomly. They were selected in part because there was something, you know, we don't know exactly what, but there was something in in the air that enabled uh, the the Earth Institute or the the organizer of uh, of this project to work with these villages, either about the village leadership um, or in the local environment or in the physical environment that. Uh, made these villages sort of good good choices for uh, for participating in the Millennium Villages project. You know what what Mitchell et al have done um, is is try to pick as best as possible something that villages that now ten years on look like back then were comparable. That that is the the principal challenge uh, for uh, for the study. Uh, once the comparison villages were selected, then the rest of it sort of falls naturally because uh, b- because then uh, once they had selected the comparison villages, they went on uh, after 2015 or around the, the end point uh, of the Millennium Villages project and, and measured the same kind of outcomes as the Millennium Villages project uh, in terms of uh, poverty and education and health and agriculture and made a comparison between what happened in the comparison villages and what happened in these comparison villages, um, assuming that these comparison comparison villages are true counterfactuals, what what the Millennium Villages um, uh, would have looked like absent the Millennium Villages. Perhaps if we could move on a little bit from the project, you earlier mentioned the Millennium Development Goals, and also you refer to them in your comments, and these are of course another important global development initiative and one that has recently morphed into the Sustainable Development Goals. Perhaps how could you encapsulate the changes brought on by the Millennium Development Goals, especially on global health? And how do you think perhaps the global health community's perspective differ in relation to international health and development compared to where we all were back in the 2000s? You know, prior to 2000, global health and international health was really a sort of a, a marginal project and a marginal focus of, of international development. It was, it was really a, a quite marginalized. The Millennium Development Goals um, have been enormously influential in, in cementing and in, in bringing together uh, a lot of different 
entities and polities and, and national governments and international organizations uh, towards a coherent set of targets. One of the, the, the brilliant things about the Millennium Development Goals is, is that they were, there were just a few of them and that each of them had a very specific target. And the people who care about water focused on the water MDG and the people who care about health focused on the, the, the three health MDGs. It really sort of galvanized a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, activity. Now, the, the Millennium Villages uh, operated in the era, in the context of these Millennium Development Goals. And so this, you know, since, the, since 2000, there's been enormous progress in the world's poorest areas in terms of health uh, and, and other forms of, of development. Uh, you know, part of what we see in the Millennium Villages Project is those villages have improved and in some ways potentially improved in some very limited and qualified ways have potentially improved more than the comparisons. But every, every area of, of Africa, well, almost every area of Africa really benefited a ton from the past 15 to 20 years of enormous focus on development. You know, the, the organizations such as the Global Fund and PEPFAR and the President's Malaria Initiative and UNITAID and, and a lot of the UN agencies um, that have been very focused in Gavi uh, on, uh, on health improvements have been enormously uh, effective. And have, they operate in many countries and have been, uh, they've been welcome uh, and, and have a very effective partnerships. Health is considered, you know, a real focus of, uh, of development. And so, you know, the, the past 20 years have been, have really seen a focus on, on global health, like, you know, really no other period in history that, that one can remember. Um, you know, it was only in the mid-90s that the World Bank has actually first paid attention to, uh, to health as an aspect of development. Uh, prior to that, it was about, you know, building dams and roads and, and economic project um, uh, or economic development projects. Um, and really since 2000, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a, an enormous, enormous shift. The U.S. has also been involved in health in developing countries in ways it, ha it had never has before. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really a pretty special uh, uh, period. Um, and that's the context in which the Millennium Villages uh, operated. So if we consider all of your points, and one always is hopeful, learn from our mistakes and from our successes, what would you like to see in the future of international development? While uh, there has been enormous progress over the past 15 to 20 years, there's uh, a lot of avertable illness and avertable death, especially in sub-Saharan Africa and, and somewhat in, in South Asia, from diseases that are really no longer an issue in, in the developed world. What I would like to see is the uh, uh, recent uh, Commission Global Health 2035 has, has put it as a grand convergence. Uh, by that I mean I want to see the fact that uh, the completion of uh, the, the essentially the end of easily avertable deaths and diseases. Um, you, you know, children dying from uh, from measles should be a thing of the past. Um, malaria should be a thing of the past. Uh, polio should be, you know, should really not be a, a threat anymore. Uh, a lot of these uh, diseases that are no longer uh, a, a, an issue in, in in wealthier countries and wealthier regions, uh, really, that's what, that's what I hope is going to be the, you know, sort of the, the target in the next uh, uh, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I believe it's achievable. Uh, that the, the technological knowledge, the, the know-how of how to do that is something
something we all have and have been able to uh, accomplish and implement in in many parts of the world um, and, and I hope you know I hope to see it uh, uh, really uh, go through in, in the rest of the world. Professor Ben David, thank you. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, but I really appreciate you dialing. It's been fascinating talking to you. Great, fantastic. Thank you very much.